0: Alright, welcome back to the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob, episode 149, one of the first editions of maybe a new segment we're going to be having here on the pod, not really a new segment, a new idea, a new approach, you may say, Pineapple Couch Sports Radio, going to try and do it weekly, got to bring the fire back to covering sports like we have in the past, I admit, I've been slacking a little there, and that's on me, and so to you guys, the listeners, I promise to be better. So today. I just really want to go in to all the latest storylines in the world of sports that we have. Kind of in a a drought of some sort right now. NFL in the middle of the off season. Basketball with the all-star break. Baseball hasn't started yet. Everything's up in the air with baseball. We're going to have to get big dog on to talk about that sometime. Um, So a lot of just drama and storylines we can talk about. And for once, we're going to actually talk about the all-star game a little bit because it was pretty good, and maybe that's my bias as a Steph Curry guy. But a lot of things to talk about outside of the All-Star game, including um, some LeBron James versus Rob Palenka buzz. Um, talk a little bit, little bit about that NBA 75. I thought that was really cool, um, and then really look at the second half of this MVP season talk or NBA season. Excuse me. Uh, talk about the MVP race, the Eastern Conference standings. What's the significance of this CP3 injury? A lot of things up in the air. Um, And then we're going to finish it off with two football things. Uh, A lot of buzz right now on the streets, on the Twitter, about Tom Brady maybe coming out of retirement, going to the 49ers. Could that be true? Did he just really want out of Tampa Bay? Well, we'll have to get into that. And then Aaron Rodgers, a very interesting uh, Instagram post that we'll go through. And maybe he went to, like, India and meditated for 12 days like the Beatles did in, like, the 60s because he has some sort of new zen approach of thankfulness. I don't know. We'll try to make sense of it. Uh, But thanks for tuning in. Again, episode 149. And let's get into it. The NBA All-Star Game. The only watchable professional All-Star event or game in any professional sports. I mean, the Home Run Derby used to be cool. I think that's lost its lure as well. Um, and the Pro Bowl sucks. I mean, the dunk contest now sucks. We'll talk about that. But the actual All-Star game itself, since they introduced the final score, like you played like in the fourth quarter, it's the first team just to get like to a certain mark. It's not just a clock. I think that we've seen some good, good play. And so um, let's talk about this game individually. It was the Steph Curry game. My God, the dude hit 16 threes, a couple where he's shooting from the logo, turning around as the ball's still on its way there and running back because he's so confident and cocky that it's going in. And it was awesome. He put on a show. And it's kind of weird when you think about it, Steph Curry, Probably the most entertaining player of this era. If you look at basketball, it went from, like, in the 80s. Like, I might skip a couple people, so forgive me. But off the top of my head, you have the most entertaining player in the 80s, Magic, Bird, those two. They pass on that torch to Jordan, who then passes on that torch to Kobe and Shaq, who then pass on that torch to LeBron. KD's involved for a little. Steph Curry, the last Five or so years, I think these are the most electric, electrifying players in the game at this time, and all all of them have seemed to have moments. And I know the All Star Game is not a giant deal, but all those guys we just mentioned had big games in the All Star Game. And Steph Curry surprisingly hasn't really done that. He doesn't really seem to give a shit about the All Star Game in years past, and he just kind of would go out there, hit a couple threes, jog around, and chill. And it was different this year. He uh he went for it, and maybe he just it was that a couple of his early shots fell. He got hot, and he's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna go for it." I mean, 16 threes though. The dude is absurd. He's the greatest shooter we've ever seen. We know that. That's old news. He is going to finish his career as a top 10 NBA player of all time. Um, it sounds cliche to talk about the impact he's had on the game, but shit, guys, it's all him. Just he's just three point like boom in the NBA. He's the one that. Made it obvious. He's the one that made everyone want to watch it. He is the most electrifying player in the league right now. Um, Giannis is very electric as well, so no shade at him. Giannis is in that category. But Steph Curry putting on a show in the All Star game, just so exciting. He saved All Star weekend if you really think about it. Because what? Um, I don't. Friday night, I, I watched a little of it, The Rising Stars kind of cool kind of like a tournament okay whatever uh Saturday the skills challenge is always just uh, who cares and then the three-point contest usually pretty good when you got guys like Steph and Dame in it um it was all right this year Carl Anthony Towns big man winning it that's that's pretty cool but uh, nothing too crazy to me there the dunk contest I mean shit guys it was so 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 bad and so the game on Sunday actually had a lot of heavy lifting to do of the weekend to make this a good weekend, if you think about it. And Steph Curry went unconscious, put on a legendary performance of shooting one to the likes that we've never seen. And it I found that game incredibly entertaining, as I'm sure most of you guys did as well, because you think about what that dude did and what he can do. It's just been so awesome to be able to watch him. But let's go back to the dunk contest. Is it worth it anymore? I'm like actually It's gotten to a point where it's so bad. None of the the best players in the league want to do it. The amount of misses that we get in these dunk contests, like by the time they make it, you're just so annoyed at the guy because he's missed four or five dunks. It's like, okay, cool, you did it. You had five tries. Um, At the same time, it's weird because they got too cute with a lot of the dunks, but I see kind of why they did because whenever someone does something that someone's done in the past everyone's just like oh we've seen that before and I hate to break it to you guys there's only so much we can see without repeating stuff and so that's why all the gimmicky stuff comes in that is just you roll your eyes at it but it's there because if they were to just do a bunch of dunks that we've seen before these low-level guys no one would care and so the only way to save the dunk contest is if you were to get the best players in the league to do it think about MJ Dominique Kobe I mean shit even Dwight Howard I mean say what you want he was one of the best players in the league he was in it and at this point no shade to Juan Toscano Anderson Obi Toppin Jalen Green Cole Anthony they just don't bring it for me you have no big name guys like the last really good player I feel like we had in it was Donovan Mitchell, and then obviously Levine. But we need to bring some star power to the dunk contest if it's going to be able to survive. And I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if the main guys in the league want to do it anymore. I don't think they see that there's that much, if there's anything to gain from it besides maybe embarrassing themselves. But then you watch the All Star game on Sunday, and the constant joke throughout the game is, oh, some of the dunks that Giannis, Morant, and some other people made in that game were better than anything on Saturday. But the thing is, with both of those, is if one of those no le- not no name low level guys that were in the dunk contest on Saturday did one of those dunks they did in the game, people wouldn't think it's that cool because the player itself themselves is not that cool. When Giannis does something, it looks cooler than OB Toppin doing something. John ja Morant is gonna look a lot cooler doing the same dunk as Cole Anthony. I'm not saying Giannis and uh John ja Morant are are not are the same level dunkers as these guys, they're probably better. But the star power of it allows you to see past the aspect of we've seen this dunk before. And at this point, unless a massive change comes where they incentivize it in players contracts I don't see star players doing the dunk contest anytime soon which I I mean I think it's it's really hard to save it at this point do you get rid of it I I don't know if you can does the NBA want to sign away that the money they're making from that because they still probably make money maybe an effective thing they're talking about this on TNT is put the three-point shooting contest last that could be pretty cool um but again it's all conditional on if star players want to do it and as of right now I think it's going to take incentivization or incentives sorry I'm bad at speaking to get them to do that and that's just how I feel um another thing that stood out to me of this all-star weekend which I just love is Giannis's effort and involvement the dude is always in the zone. They kept saying that during the game. But not only is he the dude who's getting a ton of rebounds in the All-Star game and just dunking it as hard as he can every time. He's involved throughout the weekend. He's in the skills challenge with his brothers. He's there. He's having fun. He's embracing the moment. Um, and we saw a lot about of that this weekend with the NBA 75. We'll get to that. But just the attitude that Giannis goes, has when he goes about life and just the nba going to all stream he's just so happy to be there and i he, he's a rare guy because he's just such a, a unique guy and he's seems like such a a cool dude but if we saw that from more people that would be so awesome because that's what creates this the buzz around an event is the big star players being there and if he honest thinks it's cool maybe some of the other the younger guys will see that and be like hey i'm gonna do that when i am at that if I have that opportunity so uh Giannis is he's just he it's hard to think of a more likable guy in the history of the NBA than Giannis Antetokounmpo I'm being serious he is just he's awesome The, the my favorite thing about him is that tweet when I think he had Jamba Juice for the first time or something when he came from overseas and he tweeted something like oh my god I love smoothies and I do too Giannis so uh Big shout-out to Giannis, one of the most likable dudes in NBA history and just a competitor. And we'll talk about the second half of the NBA season later. But there is a decent chance that none of those trade moves mattered and that this is the Bucs. This is the Bucs conference. and Giannis is the best player in the world, and he's not going to relinquish that. There's a chance. I'm not saying that that's going to happen. There's a chance that does happen, though. Um, We will be right back here on the Pineapple Couch Sports Radio, to talk about the NBA 75, that anniversary was held of the game, because, call me sentimental, but I I love that shit, I ate it all up. Alright, we'll be right back. The NBA 75, so, it's a celebration of 75 years of the NBA, thus the 75, and so they also did, as we talked about earlier in the pod, it came out earlier in the year, about the 75 best players of all time, and so this was them honoring the players on that list and they the nba is so good at uh, the idea of nostalgia and for lack of a better term like the nba family or brotherhood of through the years the way the older players interact with the younger players the younger players look up to the older players they do a really good job of romanticizing the nba and the game of basketball and I'm a sucker for that shit. So, like, when you have those montages that are that start in the 60s or whatever with Bill Russell's Celtics, you see Wilt, then you see Kareem, Jerry West, those guys, and then you see the Magic Showtime Lakers, and then you see Jordan's Bulls, Kobe Shaq Lakers, all the way fast forward to the Warriors with Kevin Durant, the Lakers' Anthony Davis LeBron, the Bucks Giannis. I love just those montages that... Take you through the history of the NBA. And I again, I just eat that shit up because I think they're so good at that. And there's a level of, I don't want to say familiarity, but there's just something that's different about the way fans, I think, can connect to basketball players compared to other sports. And with football, I think it's as simple as you're wearing a helmet, we can't see your face and baseball you have the hat and stuff but the nba it's on such a small court you can see the players it's a, a very like personality driven game in a way and so are the others um in ways as well but um the nba just does such a good job of creating stars and storylines and carrying about the relationships that are 30 years old like everyone was talking about oh Pippen didn't show up he's afraid of Jordan or Jordan seeing Jordan and Rodman talk seeing Jordan and LeBron talk seeing Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett actually take a photo with Ray Allen seeing all the Celtics legends together seeing all the point guards on the top 75 together they make it mean something and so they for some for some reason you see these basketball players as your friends in a way like that you grew up with I know that sounds incredibly cheesy, but they're just so good at that with the the nostalgia factor of the NBA. Um, and really, a couple p- players individually stood out to me over this weekend. Um, first of all, MJ. I was just saying how the NBA can create the biggest stars of any sport. And that, the number one example of that is Michael Jordan. I would say Michael Jordan is the biggest athlete in the history of America. Still. Still. He's been retired for 20 years, and the pop that he got when he came out from the Cleveland crowd, he got the biggest cheer of the night, and it was in Cleveland, a team that he beat in the playoffs, and LeBron was there, and it was still MJ gets that pop, because he's just so fucking cool, guys, the way he walks in, seeing him interact with Steph, seeing him joke around with guys, mess with luca he's just the coolest dude ever, and He is the type of guy, I've never met him, but it seems like when Michael Jordan walks into a room, everyone is like, holy shit. And that whole stadium exploded because there's a lot of people saying he wasn't gonna go because he was at Daytona earlier in the day for the Daytona 500, but he does show up. (laughs) He probably was a little sauced, drinking a little bit of tequila, but the GOAT, MJ, great to see him. Um, Another person who... So far back in time, especially for someone like me, but someone who you can learn a lot about by the way other people talk about them or talk to them, and that's Jerry West. The amount of respect that everyone, and I mean everyone, literally besides the fucking Lakers, has for Jerry West, and by the Lakers, I mean the front office that I'm taking away is Season tickets. I mean, what the fuck? How do you do that to Jerry West? It's the logo. But the amount of admiration, dudes like Shaq, Charles Barkley, and then modern players like Kawhi, Steph Curry, the way people talk about Jerry West, he is so re- revered. Like, he, I think, is the greatest mind in the history of basketball. And if you're like, whoa, that's a big claim, slow down. Well, let me explain that to you. Jay West, he is on those Lakers teams, obviously, where he loses a lot to the Celtics in the finals and Bill Russell. He does finally get that ring in 72, 71, 70, somewhere around there with Wilt. But what he does after that is incredible. He is involved in creating the Showtime Lakers with Magic Johnson. He's, he's involved in all of that. His fingerprints are all over it with Kareem, with James Worthy there. So he helps build the Showtime Lakers. The next thing he does is he's instrumental in getting Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant to the Los Angeles Lakers to build that dynasty. And then what does he do after that? He builds the grit and grind Memphis Grizzlies, Mark Gasol, Zach Randolph, Tony Allen, Mike Conley. No championship for that team, but that was a damn good team, and especially for a small market. I I mean, I think he did exceptional there because it's not like he was getting many free agents. And then what's he do next after that, you ask? Oh, he um, he goes to the Warriors and builds that. And he was the one who said he would quit if the Warriors traded Clay Thompson for Kevin Love. And that worked out well. He was right there. And then he's done with the Warriors. He goes on to his next project. He's denied by the Lakers. He wants to help them in a way. And they had the balls to deny the logo. Do not understand that. And so he says, okay, and goes to the Clippers. And the first thing he does is he goes out and gets Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. This dude is a genius and one of the greatest shooting guards in NBA history. So Jerry West, the way people talk about him, it it says a lot. And then obviously the resume speaks for itself. The other uh, person I wanted to talk about was Shaq. And this will be really quick. But there was this moment, uh, Bill Simmons tweeted it, I think. And obviously a lot of other people did. But I saw it um, from Bill Simmons. And Shaq was talking about the top 75 and like what it meant to him. And it was cool because he talks about obviously like personal aspects of his like his parents and all the people coaches who helped him along the way. But then he kind of talks about the idea of how cool it is for him to be up there with these guys that he looked up to growing up, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Bill Russell, on and on and on, people he competed against and how surreal it was. And it was again this idea of the way they romanticized the history of basketball and I keep saying that but I I'm telling you it's real go look up some of those videos on YouTube that they would play before Christmas Day games where it starts with like a Kevin Durant going up to shoot a jumper and by the end of it it's Larry Bird or the you know the Kobe MJ th- comparison things they do it, those montages are awesome and this NBA 75 I just think they really took advantage of it and I was trying to think of like would it be possible for the NFL or the MLB to do something like this. And while it is possible that they could yes, they could try it, I I don't think it would be anything like this. I think they're it again, sounds cheesy, but the, there is a family aspect to like the brotherhood of the NBA. And um maybe I'm wrong. Maybe football and baseball could totally do this. But I even if they could, I do not think they could do it to the level of the NBA does. Because the NBA they're really good at really good at milking that cow that specific thing they know how to get us nostalgic and the top 75 was a cool way to do that and another thing why wouldn't you go if you made this top 75 obviously some people there are reasons uh like kevin durant uh his grandmother passed away so we all could understand that and why he didn't go but if other than like an emergency or something you gotta go to be there in that moment And Isaiah Thomas, as annoying as he may be, he said something like that, which is typical Isaiah, kind of throwing shade at people while a giant grin on his face. But I think he's right in a way. That was truly special to see that collection of talent in the room. How cool was it when we're watching that where the last three guards they announce go Steph Curry, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan? It's just so cool, the eras of basketball intertwining and being together. And you best believe that Steph Curry put on a show for that reason, that those goats, those legends were in the building, and Steph Curry gave him a show to watch. And, I mean, there's that uh, the picture I'm sure you've seen of Allen Iverson, Reggie Miller, and D. Wade while they're announcing, like basically jumping up, laughing, grabbing each other, just losing their minds because Steph Curry's going nuclear. And um, he put on a show. He's a showman. He's the greatest show in sports, and he has been for a few years now. And um, it was fun to see it at All-Star Weekend, and it it was even greater because he got to do it in front of the greatest players in NBA history. Um, Another thing that I did notice was... (sighs) It, the, the snubs, like some of the people who should have been there that aren't there, and I'm not going to go through it and name this person, this person, this person should have been on it or shouldn't have been on it um, because I, that could be like a two-hour podcast. I will say, if I could just make a swap, the two things that really piss me off. Can we swap out Anthony Davis for Clay Thompson, and can we swipe out Damian Lillard for Kyrie Irving? Please, those dudes deserve to be on that stage. They did. You look at the Lakers teams of the past, like the the Showtime Lakers, they have James Worthy is there. He was the third cog, second cog at times on that Lakers team. James Worthy, this is no shade. James Worthy should 150 billion percent be in the top 75. But so should Clay Thompson. Damian Lillard great player I don't know how you have him over Kyrie I mean yeah cute regular season success Kyrie hit one of the biggest shots in NBA history and is an NBA champion I think that should matter um so those were the snubs I mean I have I also think T-Mac and uh Dwight Howard had a case to be on there but I'm I don't want to go deep dive through it all but um Another thing before we move on out of the All-Star game that I wanted to get to was five young players right now who I think will make the NBA 100. So by young players I mean someone who like Giannis is already he's young but he's already um he's already on the team. And then at the same time there's probably players like This is a bad example, but bear with me, folks. C.J. McCollum. He's older. He's not on the team right now, but I don't think he has the potential to get on that team. So that was a bad example, but let's walk through this. Five young players who I think, and I think without a doubt, will be on the NBA Top 100 when they do this in 25 more years. So I have five names that I am saying without a doubt are on this team without a doubt there is no world where this does not happen then I have a couple honorable mentions who I think will be on it but I am not giving it the without a doubt label the first one without a doubt will be on the NBA top 100 is Joel Embiid he will be on it there is no way no how that he will not be like on this list same thing goes for Nikola Jokic Both those dudes, they're just kind of got screwed in a way of like if it was five years from now of the NBA 75, like if it started five years later, Jokic and Embiid probably both make this team. A third guy, or excuse me, Luka Doncic, 150 billion percent will be on the NBA top 100. And if you did this poll in five years... I'd argue that Luka Doncic probably will be, would have been in the top 75. The next person, Ja Morant. This one, he if we did it in five years, I don't think he would be in the NBA top 75. But I think without a doubt, when they do the NBA top 100, Ja Morant will be on that list. That dude is just getting started and barring injury, knock on wood, he is going to have a lot of success in the NBA. So I've done five, but I forgot about Jokic, So and I didn't factor that into my five, so I'm going to do six. Bear with me, folks, because I think this dude is also a lock. I've done four. I have two more. Sorry. Doing this solo, you know, the first Pineapple Couch Sports Radio? I'm hanging in there, folks. I'm hanging in. We'll get better. We'll work through it. Two more guys, though. Devin Booker will be on the NBA Top 100 dude's lethal he's one of the best two guards in the game the defensive effort we've seen in the postseason he's a good defender and he he's cold-blooded I think Devin Booker I would not be surprised if he's a champion at some point in his career and when the time comes that Chris Paul does retire Devin Booker I think can be the best player on a championship team he can't have a bunch of trash around I mean he's another a good 1b but pretty much everyone does in the NBA at this point so Devin Booker and then the last one who I'm going to guarantee, this, you guys might go, oh, a little early for that, Brian. Uh, I don't think so. Evan Mobley. Look at him. Look at him. He is unbelievable. The wingspan, the, the shooting, the passing, the, the mobility, the defense. This dude was created to be a freakish basket-like ball god. Uh, he's like... I'm not saying this game-wise. I'm saying it maybe like frame-wise. You could either say that he's a mix of Giannis and KD, or you could say he's like a modern Tim Duncan. Hmm, maybe a little faster. And honorable mentions, I think these three guys will be on the NBA top 100 or four. No, I'm going to stick with these three, actually. No, 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 I'll do four. I'll do four. But I, I wouldn't guarantee it. I think there's a lot up in the air. Jason Tatum, I think it'd be on the next in the NBA top 100. Donovan Mitchell, I'd say the same. Darius Garland, I would say we could definitely maybe see. Because I, I that dude's a baller. He showed out in that skills challenge that no one cares about, but I'm a big fan of Darius Garland. And one thing about him is before the season, someone asked Steph Curry, What young point guard do you like? whose games do you like the most who do you like watching that maybe people don't know about he said Darius Garland and Darius Garland has made him look very smart because the Cavs have been obviously one of the best stories in the NBA this year um and then the other honorable mention is Trey Young I think um I think Trey Young is quite special but I don't want to guarantee it with him yet he was so good in the playoffs last year and I was a hater and he convinced me that he was great not 100% All right, we'll be right back. Let's talk about the second half of this NBA season. That's going to start back up on Thursday. And the first thing I want to do is talk about the MVP race that we have on our hands. Um, And I think it's still very wide open. A lot of people, by a lot of people I mean like Twitter and like sports writers have said, they're talking like it's a two-man race, Jokic and Embiid. Some are saying it's a three-man race, including Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think we're at pretty much a a four-man race. I think Steph Curry is in this conversation, and this is not biased. I, I want to tell you why. So right now, I think everything is up in the air because so much is left to be decided in the Eastern Conference because the standings are fucking absurd. The gap between third place and seventh place is two and a half games. So the 76ers right now, they're in third place. They lose three straight, and the Raptors win three straight. They're in the playing game. That's how volatile the Eastern Conference is going to be with this end of the season. So if we're taking it player by player, Joel Embiid has had a spectacular season. They're sitting at third in the Eastern Conference at 35-23. and 23. Again, two and a half games back of the Heat in first, but also only two and a half games from the play-in game. How does Joel Embiid win MVP? Well, if the 76ers, the new look 76ers adding James Harden can surge to the top of the Eastern Conference, get a one seed and James Harden, yes, you're going to use him a lot, but it doesn't really hurt Joel's stats that much. He continues to dominate and they continue to win. That is a road path to an MVP for Joel Embiid. Is that going to work perfectly hard in Embiid? Are they going to be able to take this team to the top of the East? I don't know. I don't think anyone knows. It's very up in the air, like I'm saying. Okay, so the next person, we'll stay in the Eastern Conference, is Giannis. The Bucks are in fifth at 36-24. and 24. Basically, they're, actually, they are tied with the 76ers. They're two and a half games back out of first, but like I said, two and a half games from the play-in game. What's the Bucs' roadmap? Well, if Giannis, I mean the stats-wise, Giannis this year, guys. I mean, Jesus Christ, he's got he's averaging twenty nine point four, and he's averaging like eight or nine boards, six or seven assists. The dude is a freak. He's the Greek freak for a reason. So, um, what's the roadmap, Priamus? Giannis? Giannis? Well, it's similar to Joel Embiid. You seize the Eastern Conference and go into first place. And that gives you the opportunity to have a very strong case because outside of the Russell Westbrook MVP season, you gotta win. You gotta be in the upper half at least of your conference. And a lot of years you gotta be like a one or two seed. So um that's the roadmap for the Bucks. Then let's go to the Western Conference. Okay, so the Nuggets. Jokic is having an incredible season. Let me pull up his stats just to pay my respects to what Jokic has done this season because I'm about to say something not that nice but it's nothing about Jokic is the thing so um Nikola Jokic this year is averaging 26 points a game 13.8 rebounds and 7.9 assists I'm pretty sure he has the best PER and plus minus in the entire NBA the dude is an absolute stud but Nuggets dealing with big injuries this year no Jamal Murray yet. Michael Porter Jr. goes down. They're at 33 and 25, and they are nine games behind the Warriors who are in second, and they are 15 games behind the Suns. They're two and a half games out of the playing game, just like the Bucks and the 76ers. So what is the roadmap to Nikola Jokic winning an MVP? Well, the stats are there. And he had. He might even be having a statistically better season this year than last year, but the big fundamental difference is the record. And I don't know if this Nuggets team is going to be able to surge into the top four. I don't think it. I don't think it. They're seven games back of the Grizzlies who are in third. I don't think they're sniffing the top three. Whereas in the East, I can see Joel Embiid and the Sixers and Giannis and the Bucks making that jump to number one. In the West, I just don't see it with Jokic. So it doesn't matter how good his stats are. For the most part, the MVP rewards a player on a team that is in the top half of their conference or in the top two of their conference. Is that how it should be? I think so. I think you should reward winning, but that doesn't really matter because that's how it has been and it has been voted. So that's what's going to probably happen again. And so here's my case for Steph. The Warriors... 42 and 17. They're about eight, nine games ahead in the win loss uh, column than the Nuggets, than the Bucks, than the 76ers. It's pretty big. Got to think about that. How does Steph win MVP? Well, he started off pretty good and it had a big slump in January. And maybe the thought process here is okay, the Warriors, Steph maybe heating back up after that all star game, they can finish the season either in first or second in the West. CP3's injury might change things a little. We'll talk about that later. But let's say the Warriors finish out this two seed in the West. They win like 58 games. They're gonna have like a five to six, four to five game margin on either the Bucks or 76ers realistically. And if Curry has great numbers That's the roadmap. If the Bucks or Sixers don't make a run to win the regular season in the East, Steph Curry at the end of this will have a very, very good case that I don't think people are talking about enough right now. Of course, though, if Steph continues to slump, and for slumping Steph, it's better than an average player, but if he continues to slump and the Warriors kind of maybe they fall back and the Grizzlies catch him and they're at that 2-3 somewhere there and they just kind of lacklusterly finish the season, then he has no chance. But what I just presented is all the ways that people could win. And if you put a gun to my head and tell me which one do I think is most realistic, I would rank it as, I will say, the most realistic to me, number one, is Giannis. I think the Bucs could go on a run and Giannis just he just won a finals. I could see him going and getting another regular season MVP and the second best odds I would give to Curry because of the record thing. And if he bounces back and has a good end, he'll have a very, very good case third Embiid, Um, I think, I mean, again, same chances to bucks. I just will take Giannis if I'm choosing between them to lead that surge. And then Jokic I'd put forth because I mean, it, it's about, it's about the win-loss. The Nuggets will have to pull off something pretty crazy with a injury-riddled team. All right, I said I'd talk about the Eastern Conference standings. We talked about them a little in that MVP discussion, but let's just go over it so we're all on the same page here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, at number one, tied for first place are the Heat and the Bulls. They're both 38 and 21. In third place, tied for third, there are three teams. 76ers and Cavaliers who are both 35 and 23, and then the Bucks are also tied for third at 36 and 24. In sixth place, we have the Celtics who are 34 and 26. They're two games behind third place. Um, and they have been very good in their last 10 games. They're nine and one in their last 10 and 2011 at home this season, after a shaky start, the Celtics, their defense has been the best in the league since late December. Um, is this just a fluke? We'll see how they keep going, but, uh, definitely things are looking better in Boston than they did two months ago. Uh, seventh place, you have the Raptors who are 32 and 25. They're in the playing game right now, but they're only half game out of six. Um, from the Celtics, the Nets. The Nets are in eighth place, ladies and gentlemen. They're seven games out of first. They are two and a half behind the Celtics. Again, not a math pod. That took me way too long to figure out in my head. Um, but they're th- sitting at 31-28, eighth place. It's, it's tough. It's tough with the Nets. What does Ben Simmons bring to them? If he's going to be... When everyone's talking about what he can bring to this team, people are penciling him in to be like a Draymond Green. And while he may have some of those skills and talents and he may be able to do it, that is a lot to ask of a dude who really just shrunk on the biggest stage in the playoffs last year. And that's the opposite of a Draymond Green type. Those types of guys, they're ready in those big games. So. That will be a key ticket item for the Mets, the Nets moving forward. But the biggest thing overall is KD. If KD can come back in a couple weeks, finish the season strong, and you have Kevin Durant in the playoffs, you're gonna be a problem. KD still has uh, a claim on the best player in the world. He's hurt right now, but that dude, when he is on, it's hard to say anyone's better than him. Shit. If his shoe was a half size smaller, the Nets would have been maybe in the finals instead of the Bucks last year. A lot like that's how crazy this game is, and how it's a game of inches. So the Nets, like you're looking at it, and I'm pretty sure the Nets are eighth in the East, but basically like third overall in odds to win the title because of that star power. And then the other situation that you have developing, um, so you're banking on KD to come back healthy. You're banking on Ben Simmons to be different than he has been. And now there is some talk that maybe the New York vaccine mandate might allow Kyrie Irving to play in home games because they're pointing out how stupid it is that opposing players who aren't vaccinated can come play, but home players can't. And my reaction to that is, where were you 12 fucking months ago? That's what everyone was saying, and now they're finally realizing it. So it's like, okay, that could happen. But what worries me about the Nets, what worries me about the Nets, let me I'll summarize it in three things. The three things we're depending on for the Nets that worry me. One, we're depending on health for Kevin Durant, who's been hurt in the past and is an older player and is dealing with weird a weird injury. Two. We are counting on Ben Simmons to perform big in clutch, big moments for them. And we haven't seen, he didn't play basketball a year and passed up on a layup in the playoffs last year. And three, and this is the most damning, we are depending on a politician to change a law, which you never want to be dependent on a politician. So you're, you're dependent on the health of KD, Ben Simmons to be a different person, and a New York politician to change a law? Ah, I'd rather have my eggs in another basket. I don't know about you. Um, another thing that we'll talk about here in the NBA is the on the Western Conference side, the Phoenix Suns have been the best team in basketball this year. They've won nine of their last 10, seven in a row, 28-7 and seven in the Western Conference, 48-10 overall, 26-5 at home, 22-5 away. They have been the best team in basketball, um, but as unfortunately what continues to happen with Chris Paul is he is seemingly always getting injured. This year it seems he got injured a little earlier than usual. He usually gets injured in the first or second round of the playoffs. So you could look at this as, hey, we're the Suns. We have a a six-and-a-half game lead on the Warriors. We have a damn good team. We're deep. CP3 can get his uh, injury figured out now While before the playoffs while we have this cushion. D-book, take it away keep this one seed and get us ready for the playoffs. Chris Paul is going to come back and we're going to be the best team in basketball. Like we've been all year. That's one way this could go. But the other th- way it could go is, is this going to be a lingering issue for CP three? Like, could it, he get injured again, right? When he comes back, that's what this whole Suns team. They're so good, but I hesitate with them a little bit. It's just because you're depending on CP 3s health, which is something, which is shitty as it is to say, like, we haven't been able to do that. You haven't. Even last year, in his best playoff run, he was dealing with injuries. So you can look at it as, hey, maybe he got the injury out of the way now, or shit, here comes more. But in terms of the number one seed in the West, regardless of this Chris Ball situation, so like let's say Chris doesn't come back in the regular season, I think the Suns are pretty snug at that number one spot it would take quite a free fall for them to the Warriors to catch them and I do think they are deep enough where they can survive this stretch without Chris Paul I do I do I do I do I do all right um last thing about the NBA was uh I I know this is shocking everyone hold on to your hats LeBron James is unhappy with his current situation I think we've heard that before. I think we've heard that a few times. Um, LeBron, as great as he is, which he is fantastic, there is an expectation of winning with organizations that he is a part of. And the Lakers this year have been struggling, and he's not happy with how the front office and Rob Polinka handled the trade deadline. They didn't make any moves. LeBron's camp really wanted the Lakers to trade a pick and... Um, Russell Westbrook to the Houston Rockets for John Wall. The Lakers apparently they didn't want to get rid of that pick, and they said, you know what, they they think that it's not that big of a difference between Russell Westbrook and John Wall. And I don't, I, it's hard to debate that. We haven't seen John Wall this year, and Russell Westbrook's been terrible. So I mean, I wouldn't want either. But maybe the argument is that John Wall might adapt a little better than Westbrook because Westbrook's been terrible for the Lakers, but. <sighs> what's tough is I'm trying to not come off as a giant LeBron hater, even though I, I don't like LeBron is LeBron, you, you instigated the trade for Russell Westbrook. That's what you wanted. Everyone calls him lay GM on Twitter. Like that was you. You wanted that. You met with Russ. You told the Lakers to do that and they did it. And so now you're kind of stuck with these results and LeBron doesn't like, he doesn't, he doesn't play by those rules, really. He, he's like, no, fuck it. I, I don't want to have to basically waste a season. And I, I get that from a perspective. So I mentioned how the Lakers didn't want to trade a pick. Well, the Rams GM in the Super Bowl parade, he wore a shirt that said, fuck them picks, because the Rams have actually traded so many away with their picks, and it resulted in the Super Bowl they went all in, you know. And LeBron retweets that and basically says, that's my type of guy is an obvious subtweet at rob palenka and i am making fun of lebron for this but i also enjoy it a lot i think it's incredibly entertaining and you know it's great that they're in ninth place in the west right now great they're 27 and 31 um and another thing comes out is that he really really compliments uh what's his name the OK sam presti the oklahoma city gm he talks about how smart he is as a GM. So he's he's praising other GMs. He's making his GM jealous. Rob Plink is like, what? I thought I was the one. Well, not, not anymore right now, Rob. Um, Other thing, he compliments Luca and says how much he loves him and how fantastic Luca is and how he reminds him of himself. (laughs) Yeah, I I love LeBron for that reason. He just loves himself. He has to include himself in that. Um, And then the other thing, which is interesting that has come out is, I think we all suspected this, was there's two more things. Well, the, the first one I think we all suspected was LeBron wants to play until he his son, Bronny Jr., he wants to play a season with his son. So when his son is eligible to come into the NBA in 2024, he would like to finish his career playing on the same team as his son. So there's a couple ways to look at this. It is, young, it is early. LeBron's son isn't projected as like a, a, a first-round pick yet. Maybe that changes, but that's not the projection based on, I guess, what scouts have seen. They don't think that. But what might happen is he might go in the first round anyway because teams are like, holy shit, if we pick this kid, LeBron's coming. So that might kind of a sneaky, really smart way to improve your kid's draft stock. there by LeBron. So that is how LeBron wants to finish his career. And it's basically like that draft will be a sweepstakes to whoever gets brawny, it's also LeBron and obviously if you're the team that's doing that your hope is like Bronny is going to be the next LeBron I've watched some of his highlights I will say LeBron looked better in high school than Bronny Jr but I mean it's early thing he could become a very good player how do I know um so that's interesting the other thing is LeBron hasn't ruled out a return to Cleveland so the team he has left twice and he has left in shambles and he did get them a title credit to him for that but the team he has left twice they got now a nice young core two gate two guys in the all-star game evan mobley rookie people love just made a nice trade to get karis levert jared allen love that guy well lebron's not ruling it out yeah maybe he wants to come join there and a lot of people are saying like oh well Dan, no, not Dan Snyder, that's the football team owner. What's his name? Dan Gilbert, the Cleveland owner. He's going to be like, no, I don't want you, LeBron. I finally built something on my own. Because when LeBron was there, he was technically like the GM and owner. He made all the shot calling. And it worked. They won a title. So it is weird because people are like, oh, the he won't want LeBron to come in and take the credit, Dan Gilbert. But at the same time, if you're the Cavs and you can just add LeBron in, as a free agent, and not have to trade anything and add him to this young core. I mean, LeBron's still damn good. That that seems like a, a pretty smart thing to do. So get over your pride, Dan Gilbert. Um, it's a different scenario, though, if it's like trade Evan Mobley and Darius Garland for LeBron. That's different. I don't think you'd want to mortgage your future for a couple years with LeBron. Um, despite how great he is. I mean, time will catch up. Um So yeah, those are some of the big storylines here in the second half of the NBA season. Um, We will be right back to finish off episode 149 with a little NFL rumors talking about two quarterbacks, two of the greatest quarterbacks. One certainly is the greatest, or some would say he's the second greatest, just my father would say Joe Montana's the greatest. But we're talking about Tom Brady, and we're also talking about Aaron Rodgers when we get back. Stay tuned. All right, Tom Brady seven Super Bowls, six with the Patriots, seven, or one, excuse me, with the Tampa Bay Bucks. retires. It was kind of peculiar in a way. I mean, it shouldn't be because he's 44 years old, and it's like that's what humans, athletes do is they retire when they're around that age. But Tom Brady, maybe he's not a human. But he had said for many years how he wanted to play till he was 45. He said that quite a bit. Like that was something he wanted to do and he knew he could do. So when he just retired, kind of out of nowhere, after this season, I was kind of like, oh, "That's interesting. Why would he have kept saying 45? Like, if and it didn't really matter to him." And then the other thing you think about is like, he was he threw for the most yards this year. Like he was what he was maybe the best QB in the NFL this season statistically, and he did not look washed or old. Like. Tom Brady looked great. He had an incredible season. He had a legit MVP case. I think Cooper Cup should have won, but I think even Brady had a better case than Rodgers, if you look at the numbers. Um, but, so, you look at those two things, and it's just kind of weird. It's like, wow, what happened? Tom, I, I thought he was addicted to the game, for lack of a better word. Like, this dude's a competitor. He can't get enough. I was kind of surprised when he's hanging up his cleats. And... Then we get a new developing situation that, uh, oh, no, 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 it might not be over. Maybe Tom Brady, maybe he's not sure he's retiring. Maybe he, he might come back, maybe to a team that he rooted for as a child, a place where his parents live, who he's very close with. Maybe he's going to come to the San Francisco 49ers, who, by all accounts, are a quarterback away from a Super Bowl. And you put in Tom Brady in there, and I mean, I don't know if anything in the NFL guarantees a Super Bowl. But if Tom Brady were to join the 49ers, I think they are Super Bowl favorites for sure. That defense, that running game, the Debo with Tom Brady, that that makes a lot of sense. That would be a very, very good team. And especially with the Niners, it gives you another year to prep trey lance because if you're going moving forward with the assumption trey lance is my future quarterback i think he's a year away i am not a football scout though so maybe i'm wrong they won't do this and trey lance will be awesome next year but from what i saw i still think trey young could use or trey young (laughs) trey lance could use another season on the bench learning and hard to learn better from or it's hard to pick a better guy to learn from than Tom Brady, you know? Um, so that makes a lot of sense from the 49ers side, and you can make it make sense on the Brady side. But what caused him to retire then? Why did he retire? Well, maybe it was because he was kind of done with the Bucks. A lot of drama, a lot of drama in Tampa Bay this season. Levante David referring to it kind of, cryptically after the season about how people didn't know all the drama they dealt with. There was obviously the Antonio Brown stuff. I mean, shit. He just called out Tom Brady and Bruce Arians a couple hours ago or yesterday. He's still going crazy about stuff. Um, But there was also the Bruce Arians hitting a a player incident. And there's also been some reports that Brady kind of had it with Bruce Arians and that maybe he retired so he could just get out of Tampa Bay and on to greener pastures. He he kind of had it with Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians come out and denied this he's very much so. He says this is absolute bullshit. But where there's smoke, sometimes there is fire. That could be true. I mean, Bruce Arians does seem like kind of an annoying dude for being honest. Um and when you look at the bucks, they're in, they were similar to the rams. They're going all in, you know. They they're really going all in, and it's going to be tough for them to retain that full roster. Chris Godwin's going to be a free agent. They'll obviously lose Antonio Brown. You're going to have a couple free agents on the defensive end of things because a lot of dudes kind of came back for one more year to like repeat. So maybe Curry, or Curry, God damn, I'm saying all sorts of names today, folks. Maybe Brady saw the situation in Tampa like, oh, this team might not be able to stick together. We might lose a lot of good guys. And then he's like, I kind of think this Bruce Arians guy is a D-bag. He kind of annoys me. And, oh, I grew up a 49ers fan. They have a really good team, good coach. My parents live over there. That could be a cool way to have my final season. Hmm, that'd be pretty cool. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it does make sense. It does. Because the one thing with Brady that I think makes it make sense is he – He is addicted to football. This dude's a competitor, and it's going to be hard for him to walk away. And um, I think that this is a situation to monitor, and I think think Tom Brady will be the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers next year. So I don't know what the odds are right now. Um, You would assume that some of the books are maybe – assuming that or protecting themselves in a way if that happens. But maybe take a flyer on the 49ers at the Super Bowl before they potentially get Tom Brady. But you might not be too happy if they don't. And Trey Lance is your Super Bowl ticket. Um, Last thing, I promise. Aaron Rodgers. Oh, boy. My guy has gotten all spiritual. Not my guy. I I really don't like Aaron Rodgers. I don't want him to go to the Denver Broncos because then I will really not like Aaron Rodgers. Um, He... I had one of the weirder Instagram posts I've ever seen. He's just kind of a weird dude. I like how he pisses people off though, so it's a balance. I like there's weirdness, and then there's also he's kind of a troll, but he's also kind of an idiot. And I don't know. It's kind of fun to like dissect. So, um, <laughs> let's read this. Uh, let's read this Instagram post from Mr. Rogers. It starts. So it's like a. It's a bunch of photos. Of his time in Green Bay, but the main, the first thing is like this quote, like some graphic that says, Gratitude is the wine for the soul. Go on, get drunk. So, Aaron Rodgers, it came out on the Pack- McAfee show that he, uh, he like, like meditated for a while, like he did like a retreat for something for 12 days. I don't fucking know. He went, he went to India like the Beatles. And he recorded Sgt. Pepper's, or whatever version of that is for Aaron Rodgers and his acoustic guitar. And he's coming back like all with a fresh new take on life filled with gratitude. That is how I would describe what I am reading. So let me read you this caption. Here's some hashtag Monday night gratitude for some incredibly special people in my life with some pictures from the last beautiful year. At Shailene Woodley. Oh, I should have mentioned they broke up. Yeah, that's probably a big part of this. My bad. Not good storytelling, but they broke up like a week ago. You probably heard that. At Shailene Woody, Woodley. Um, uh, Side note, too, before I get to this. With Shailene Woodley, does anyone just all... only thing I think of is that weird ABC show that was like The Secret Life of the American Teenager and how I wasn't really allowed to watch it. That's all I think about. Again, sorry. At Shailene Woodley. Thanks for letting me chase after you the first couple of months after we met and finally letting me catch up to you and be a part of your life. Thanks for always having my back, for the incredible kindness you show me and everyone you meet, and for showing me what unconditional love looks like. I love you and am grateful for you. Interesting. And then he goes, to the men I got to share the QB room with every day. Matt Nathaniel, Luke, at Jordan Love, at Kurt Benkert. You guys made every day so much fun. And I'm so thankful for the daily laughs and stress relief you brought me every week of the year. I love you guys. Hmm, Where's he going with this, ladies and gentlemen? Is he gonna is he leaving the Packers? What, what's going on? To the Friday crew at Ida Cobb, at Randall Cobb, at Franks Heavy, whoever that is, at David Bactari. I loved every moment we got to spend together this year. Your love and support was overwhelming, and I cherish the friendships I have with each of you. To my teammates, past and current, you are the icing on the beautiful cake we have. We call our job football. The friendships that we have will transcend our collective time in this game, and I am so thankful for the role that each of you have played in the making in making my life that much better. I love you guys and cherish the memories we've made. To everyone else, spread love and gratitude, you beautiful people, and read a book once in a while too while you're at it. Love and peace. Uh, If you would have told me two years ago that Aaron Rodgers was going to try to become like football Gandhi, I would not have guessed that coming, but maybe it's like, I I don't know. This dude, Aaron Rodgers is an interesting guy, man. Um, Okay. Outside of that just being weird, I mean, like the other thing with this sort of stuff is like, why don't you just text him? Why do you have to post it so everyone like knows you're – I don't know. He's just a weirdo. I don't get it. Um, but so how is – what does this mean? Does this mean he is leaving the Packers and that's why he's saying goodbye? Does this mean he is retiring from the NFL? He's 38 and he's ready to walk into the sunset and go record more Sergeant Peppers in India or does this mean nothing and he's gonna be on the Packers next year and he's just weird. Every one of those things I think is has an equal opportunity. And the thing that's what why I think that I just don't get why I'd leave Green Bay. I think they have a great team that if they keep Devonte Adams, he's got a good run game, he's got good weapons, maybe add a wide receiver, they have a much improved defense. Have a a coach who's 26 and 6 in the regular season in his first two years. I think Matt Fur is a pretty good coach. So it's hard to, like, is he leaving to go to a better football situation? Because I don't know if that really is out there. I think the Titans are very intriguing, and people have said he bought property in Nashville. So the Titans, I guess that would make sense to me. Dude, don't go to the Broncos. We already have to deal with the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes and the fucking Raiders. Don't go to the Broncos. Don't Aaron Rodgers, do not go to the Broncos. It's you don't trust me. They're they're rude there. Not a good place to go. Trust me, just don't even don't even explore it. Denver Broncos, not an option. Move along, buddy. Um outside of that though, I mean Tampa Bay, I I don't know. I just think that it, outside of Tennessee I think that Green Bay is just as good opportunity to win as anywhere else that's what that's what I think so uh we will monitor this situation as it continues to unfold um yeah yeah Aaron, I mean I just don't understand sappy Instagram posts like this but I mean I guess it's entertaining um well this has been episode 149 this was like, the first attempt guys They're not like the first try at a pineapple couch sports radio. Let me know what you think. Maybe we can get some callers calling in. That might be cool. So any feedback is appreciated. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic week. Um, And we will talk to you next week. God bless.